welcome to Blooming Out, Indiana's only LGBTQ news and public affairs show featuring music, events, and interviews both local and global. From the WFHB studios in Bloomington, Indiana, this is Blooming Out. Good evening, and welcome to Blooming Out on WFHB. I'm Jeff Poling. And I'm Ryan Shaddy. On tonight's episode, we have our featured music, your weekly LGBTQ event calendar, and this week's LGBTQ news. First this evening, though, we, have, we will be speaking to a regular on the show, Jonathan Baelish. Many of you know Jonathan as the president of Spencer Pride. But uh, today we're actually going to be sp- speaking with, with Jonathan about a side of him um, many of you may not actually know. Jonathan and his husband Jacob are the proud parents of a three and a half year old boy named Truman. And tonight we're going to be speaking with Jonathan about his experiences as a gay parent. Jonathan, welcome to the show tonight. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So um, let's let's start with your childhood before we get to Truman's childhood here. Uh, tell us about growing up when you discovered be- uh, that you were gay and, and how that kind of came about for you. Yeah, I was... Um Born and raised in what I thought was a small town, uh, Hobart, Indiana, so up in uh, the region in Lake County, and a population of about 30,000. And um, I think I, you know, as a lot of other LGBTQ people um, can attest to, I think I felt different forever. um, And I can distinctly uh, know in elementary school having you know, these feelings and attractions that didn't make sense to me at the time. And mainly I think it's because I didn't have the words to associate with them. And so um, I would say I think I've probably always known or at least felt a little different, you know, in the first, second, third grade. I came out to a few friends in uh, my first couple of years of high school, went swiftly back in the closet uh, before coming out again in college. So um, kind of like did me. a little bit of a yo-yo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that that definitely sounds like some things that I <laughs> that I went through. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you were when you were growing up, did you ever think? Uh, did you ever think, um, especially when you came out of the closet the first time, kind of went back in? Uh, did you think you would ever get to the point that that uh, here you are married uh, to a man and having a child? Uh, I think that. No, not not particularly. I I actually had this vision in my brain that I would um, be a parent, a single parent, and that I would adopt someone maybe around 30 years of age. And um, I didn't really visualize myself in, you know, a long-term relationship. It just was not, I, I don't know why, it just wasn't part of what I envisioned. I don't know if it's because I didn't think it was acceptable or, you know, I'm not really sure why I just didn't see that. Mm -hmm. Maybe I just realized, you know, I couldn't find someone to to actually live with me and my personality for long-term periods of time. But, um, but so, so parenting for me, I think is something that I always wanted to do. I always felt a desire to do that. Um, so for me, the, really the having a committed long-term, you know, relationship, um, getting married, that to me was different. And um, things changed, you know, a couple of different times over the course of that, where for a while we thought maybe we weren't going to go that, that route mm-hmm. to be parents. So, um, Did you have something? You, you looked like you had something. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, the, so, so, you, so not, not everyone 
you know, um, wants a, a child or has the the desire to to have kids. But but you did, mm-hmm. and and you and I, and I respect and I, I and I do understand that, and I I have a lot of friends that um, have always felt that way, and they've always had a desire to have kids so much that it doesn't matter if there is a partner in the picture that that you would have a, a child as a single parent and that's what you're telling us that mm-hmm. that you've you you pretty much had that desire or that I did I did I mean looking back at it now I think it was very unrealistic just given the the amount of time that I work and things of that I mean my life would be very different if I was attempting to raise someone as a single parent. So I'm glad that I'm not in that predicament. Sure. Um, and like I said, you know, there were a lot of different paths to get to this point. Certainly really pleased with, with where I'm at right now. And I'm so proud of Truman and, and uh, Jacob to uh, be able to be a stay-at-home dad for him. It's, um, it's really fun. It's, it's a fun time. Now, Jacob would love to be here, but he's uh, in, in the process of putting Truman to bed right now, too. He, he, so. he is, yes. He likes to keep to a very regular schedule. It's a uh, little early to put Truman, a, a child to bed, isn't it? There, there's a process. He's, yeah. uh, he's asleep by 8, and so um, we start the long process of dinner around 6 o'clock. Okay. And uh, just given the fact that we're you know, 30, 35 minutes away from here, um, that makes that more challenging. So... It's dinner. It's bath time. It's reading books. It's sure. it's all that kind of stuff. There's, it, it takes a lot to finally get them down. It's it's a wind down exactly process. exactly. I think that is a that's that is a chore with any parent. Um, so you know when you were when you were trying to uh, look for a partner, uh, was that still in the back of your mind? Hey, maybe I'm looking for somebody uh, to have a child with. Um, or, or were you looking for a, a partner or did it just happen? Because everybody yeah. has a different story, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, uh, I, you know, it's a good question. Um, <laughs> both of those are good questions. Uh, I think that I um, instinctively uh, was, was looking for a relationship. Um, I tended to, um, to uh, see my life uh, through the series of what I deem to be short relationships. Um, Jacob would call them something different probably, but um, uh, you know, one night stands, but nonetheless, um, they were just brief. And um, so, no, I mean, I, you know, I certainly dated people and, and honestly, I didn't really, once I, once I was in kind of dating mode in my, you know, late teens and early 20s, I was, um, it was still far enough off in my brain that I really wasn't even associating um, it with, oh, this person or that person is someone that I would raise a child with. And so in my brain, it still was what it always had been, me as a single parent at 30 adopting someone. So um, it wasn't, you know, once once I met Jacob, um, so actually Jacob and I have been together since, since I've been 20. Um, and uh, so there was a long time there too where um, after we had gotten together, we were, we were discussing and debating um, whether we wanted to be parents. We actually wanted to, but we went through a lot with, his family and how they reacted to him being gay. And I think it um, turned Jacob very sour against parenting. And so um, for a while there, we kind of decided, you know what, that's not for us and that's okay. Um, And things change and sometimes you don't, don't get to follow those paths. And again, an evolution, eventually it came back around and it was the right opportunity. But, but you had a supportive, um, 
for the most part, a supportive family. Yes, yes. How did you come about uh, finding Jacob? What what was that like? Who asked who out? <laughs> what was the first date like? So uh, Jacob and I actually met. Um, he and I both were um, part of the starting crew at the Cracker Barrel here in Bloomington. So when it uh, opened up, actually, I was hired on September 11th, 2001. Um, so literally woke up that morning and um, saw the towers come down and had to go in an interview and was hired. Um, he followed the same path. And then um, we were hired to different shifts. And so um, within the first you know week or two, uh, I definitely um, had noticed him. Very attractive guy. I thought he was significantly younger. And so I was 20 at the time. And so I thought I was probably robbing the cradle. So at first I was a little hesitant. Um, Jacob typically is is a lot more bold. And um, I think after that went on for a couple of weeks and we only saw each other in, in, uh, in passing uh, for a few minutes each day, um, I just got tired of it. And finally I um, got the nerve to actually kind of smack him on the butt um, at one point, which seemed very playful at the time. And looking back, both of us are shocked that I ever, ever did that because it's not really normally my character. Um, but I'm glad I did. And uh, our first date actually was that night we went out to uh, Bullwinkles, um, which makes me feel really old <laughs> if I make a mistake and call any local club Bullwinkles since most people don't even know what that is anymore. So. Um, so you went to Bullwinkles that night and mm -hmm. then everything else just kind of flourished from there? Yeah. So we kind of joked that we were like lesbians. We were like, move, I was moving in with him within two months and, um, you know, no offense to lesbians. Certainly I don't regret the path, but, um, you know, kind of that stereotype with the U-Haul. Um, I didn't have as much stuff to fill a U-Haul though. So, uh, it was a little easier, but yeah, I mean, essentially once we started dating, we were, um, inseparable and actually, spent every single night together from that point forward until about three and a half years into our relationship when I had to do some sleep studies. Um, I have narcolepsy, so I was doing some uh, research studies uh, for the heck of it to help out. And uh, that was actually the first time we ever slept apart um, from the time we started dating. So um, we worked together, uh, lived together, and um, so spent almost, almost, if not absolutely every minute of time together. Wow, that's 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 a uh, what 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 do you call it? A test of time or a uh, you know. <laughs> yeah, a, a test of time, definitely. I mean, especially since you're you were inseparable like that. Right, right. Mm -hmm. And we're very different personalities, but you know, you learn right away how to make it work. Um, I'm a I'm not a morning person. He is. He wakes up like Mary Poppins with like little cartoon birds singing on his shoulder. <laughs> I want to smack him. So um, we used to actually um, have this little um, orange uh, VW Beetle that Jacob had purchased. Um, and so we it didn't have heat or anything. We used to drive it back and forth to Cracker Barrel. Um, didn't have defrost either. So <laughs> we had one of those candles with three wicks. That was our heater. And I would hold that and try not to get hot wax on me. Wow. And then I would try to keep the blanket kind of covering our legs without inhibiting his ability to use the, um, the gear shift and whatnot. And this was what year? Uh, I know, right? <laughs> you would think. Um, just put some horses Sounds on it. Sounds like and 1805 then it would be a century or ago. There, you but, know? 
But yeah, so uh, we just learned that um, on the way to work, uh, I didn't have to respond to anything that he said. That was acceptable. <laughs> Once we got to work, I had to start interacting like a human being. However, if I did choose to respond to him, it had to be polite. So we had some boundaries. Um, we have a very bureaucratic way of going about things. We define rules. We have lots of conversation about things and it's just who we are we, we both like to do that we're, we're talkers and this has been going on for 15 years it now. has this year's uh in uh november will be our uh 15th year anniversary wow, correct? Be darn. yeah congrats yeah and, and uh you probably feel like you're just getting into the heat of the thing heat of things now i, don't I know you? it feels like it's been forever and then it feels like it was just yesterday at the same time mm-hmm. i feel like Jacob doesn't age. I feel like I'm significantly older. Um, and, you know, I'm 35, so starting to, um, you know, within the next few years, it'll be the, to the point where I'll have spent as much time with him as I'd spent alive prior to him. So um, that's kind of a neat now, thing Now, Jonathan, to to. How, um, how bad was the cradle robbing? Um, so Jacob's, uh, Jacob is uh, three and a half years older than I am. <laughs> Uh, I thought he was probably three and a half years younger at the time. He also thought I was older, by the way. Um, so apparently I just appear old and boring and, um, he's young and vibrant and, um, that probably represents our personalities, if not our appearances. So does he go around the house eating a spoonful of sugar every day? Nearly, nearly. (laughs) What does Truman think of this? Truman is the same way. Uh, so Truman, like... Uh, I'll, I'm, I'll be getting ready in the mornings this morning, for example, I was, I was getting ready to go to work and, um, it's like this new thing the last few weeks where he wants to get up and just watch me get ready in the morning. And it's, it's really cute and, um, it's fun that he wants to be a part of it. Um, and so he'll come in, he'll use the restroom and then he'll say, I just want to watch you do your bathroom stuff. I'm like, okay. Um, don't normally like an audience while I'm brushing my teeth and shaving. (laughs) Um, but, uh, he literally... Uh, there's a window in our um, bathroom door, and so um, he will scare the bejesus out of me every morning, (laughs) sticking his head through there, and all of a sudden I see these eyes looking at me, but he's got this big grin across his face, and, I mean, there's absolutely no resisting the smile back at that. (laughs) Uh, It's adorable. So that's definitely how he wakes up as well. At what point, and, and we'll get more into this when we come back from our break, but at what point did you and Jonathan say, or you and you and Jacob say, uh, let's go through with this. Let's let's start this process of uh, having a child. Yep. Uh, so again, I think we we talked about it um, initially. It was something that I was interested in, and in uh, as I said, we we talk a lot. Uh, so he he was aware of that and was supportive of that. wasn't I don't think it was something that he was initially thinking that he would do. Um, but was really, really supportive of, of my interest in doing so. And um, Jacob has a very paternal instinct. So um, if we didn't eventually have a human child, um, I felt like a cow was next because <laughs> we were having a lot of conversations about cows. And I I kind of say that jokingly, but I, I kind of actually believe that we would have a cow today if we didn't have Truman. So, so it um, was a human or a cow? It was a human or a cow. Okay. Well, a cow meaning the next escalation from our current trend with animals. Um, not to say that the cow would be the last thing, um, but uh, that was definitely a part of it. So he has his own instincts as well um, to, to be a dad, and that's something that, that he um, finds satisfying and enjoyable. And, and uh, So once we got through the, 
um, period of time where we had decided to set that aside and, and maybe never go that parenting route. Um, once we got back around to it again, um, it was exciting. It was pretty quick. And um, it was it was a, a great opportunity for us in the timing that it was in. So okay, well, Jonathan, thank you for for talking about this. I know that it can't be the easiest thing to open up about your your life. Now, it's it's one thing talking about your organization you're volunteering <laughs> for and and giving all that time, but yeah, thanks for for sharing that. And we will be back shortly talking with Jonathan more about um, the parenting situation uh, and. In the meantime, the song we're going to start with is um, it's the first music break and following up on last year's release of um, Lionheart's debut EP, With or Without Me, the New York City-based singer-songwriter and producer returns with his new single along with accompanying music video for Falling For You, shot in part at a former rope factory warehouse in the industrial district of the Brooklyn waterfront, the video takes you on a journey of two men in a downward spiral, spiraling relationship fraught with violence and deception. It speaks to the nearly universal experience of staying with someone toxic even after they've broken your heart. And this is Lionheart with Falling For You. Lay my hands down and let you take hold We'll fall asleep if you stay If I fell down, I wonder if you'd catch me no. Trip on all your wires, climb onto your rope I swore I'd never let you have what you don't deserve again I saw you meltdown, but I still think you're frozen You fooled me once before, but now I'm
We are back here with Blooming Out on WFHB. You just listened to Falling For You by Lion Hart. Jonathan, my goodness, I tried to combine your first and last name together and it just did not work out for me. Jonathan Balish is back here on the show with us this evening speaking uh, with us about being a gay parent. Uh, we're now going to turn uh, to talking about how this all happened and how things have progressed essentially over the last three and a half years um, since having Truman come into your lives. So um, speak a little bit about uh, maybe the first 10 months before uh, Truman came in. Uh, mm -hmm. How did you know uh, that this was going to happen? How did it go down? So um, a lot of people ask us for um, advice specifically about um, getting a child um, if they want to be a parent. And so a lot, it's funny, a lot of people assume that we adopted. We did not. We used a surrogate. And that's much less common, um, but we did. So for us, that was a good opportunity. For those people who know that we use a surrogate, then they will ask us for advice about uh, how to do so, um, to which I typically respond, I don't. And that's not because of my personal experience. So um, I said we were very bureaucratic people. We went through a, a, a long process of trying to decide the best route. And we really struggled. We were intending to adopt, actually, because um, there's a lot of risks involved in uh, surrogacy, um, financial risk, emotional risk if the mother decides to not give up the child. And um, it can be very complicated. So it's not for a lot of reasons, um, cost or risk, um, t the typical route that I would recommend to someone. That being said, uh, Jacob uh, really felt strongly about wanting to uh, have exposure to an infant. So he did not want to adopt someone who was a few years old. And, and that, when I talk about you know being a, a single father at 30 and adopting, I envisioned adopting someone who was at least a few years old. So having an infant wasn't a part of what mm -hmm. I had envisioned myself. Jacob felt really strongly about it. He wanted to, he felt that I think that that was going to really ensure a really good bond. And so um, I definitely wanted to support that. And it's really, really hard to get an infant uh, through adoption. Again, you can do that going international. My um, sibling, one of my siblings um, did that route and that caused a lot of financial hardships as well. And so we also don't wanna bring a child in with a lot of financial hardship as well. So. Uh, you know, there was a lot of debate back and forth about how to do it, and a lot of the adoption agencies in Indiana are faith-based, and we had a lot of doors shut in our faces, and the groups that um, aren't restrictive were typically those that um, it was very high-risk children, or, or and, and that can be described in part as older children as well. So that didn't fall within what we were looking for. So it was a challenge. And um, Jacob and I were actually kind of sitting at home joking, um, just frustrated, so only half jokingly, saying, you know, we, we live in Owen County and, um, you know, we hear that it's, you know, the number one county in Indiana for teenage pregnancy. I probably shouldn't say that on the radio since I'm typically advertising Spencer Pride and want to promote Spencer. But um, at the time, we believed whether that was factual or not, um, that it was uh, the county with the highest teenage pregnancy rate, and yet it's a very conservative county. So we thought, surely, there are a lot of girls who are pregnant whose parents don't want them to have an abortion. So maybe we can be the solution. Um, not that uh, parents in that situation would want their uh, 
their uh, grandchildren to go to a gay couple. However, <laughs> nonetheless, um, so I had put out a shout out on Facebook, you know, looking for a baby mama or something to that effect. Really, honestly, joking, not expecting to get anything out of it. Um, and ultimately, um, that's how we found our surrogate. So it was not through a local person, um, but someone I was connected to on Facebook already. It, it was social media. It was social media. And, and so, you know, I was talking to someone uh, from Facebook, actually, who works for Facebook, um, who was interviewing me about something for Spencer Pride. And um, we had a long, long conversation about the fact that I, I can absolutely say that you know, I wouldn't have Truman today if it wasn't for Facebook. That literally, the the type of communication that I put out there would not have been a communication that people would have known about. The person who um, responded lives 1,200 miles away. That would have not have happened without Facebook. And so, um, Facebook is critical to the um, the coming of Truman, so to speak. So, wow, um, definitely. And and honestly, we're part of a gay fathers group on Facebook as well, which is a really fantastic group. Uh, gay fathers from throughout the nation share stories, um, ask questions. People deal with so many different things, and it's it's not any different than um, probably any other fathers group on Facebook, other than sometimes there are um, some discrimination and things of that nature that are specific to gay men, or the situations of some of the gay men um, maybe adopting later in life because they've already had other relationships with women or other things. Um, so there, there's a variety of circumstances there, but certainly a group that we felt really comfortable with that um, that we, we dialogue with as well. So so definitely social media has been a part of it. And um, so ultimately we found our surrogate through that, and we went the surrogacy route. And so for us, that was fantastic. It allowed us to have a biological connection. It allowed us to have someone who was an infant. We were a part of all of the doctor's appointments. And so uh, Jacob and typically my mother would fly out to Colorado, which is where the surrogate lives, and um, would attend all those appointments in person. I would Skype, and so they would bring the laptop into the doctor's office, <laughs> and I could hear heartbeats, and I could see images, and the doctor would interact with me as though as though I was really there. It was really fantastic. And so it was fun to be able to be a part of that. And... Um, so definitely got to experience a lot of those things. Granted, the surrogate wasn't living in the house with us. So um, we didn't get to maybe experience firsthand baby kicking all the time, but certainly got to feel that, um, you know, leading up to um, her giving birth, um, but also didn't have to deal with a hormonal pregnant woman in the house. So that might be a good thing too. <laughs> that was a benefit, I'm sure. <laughs> uh, so anyway, so that that's kind of the months leading up to it. I mean, certainly once we, once, um, once our surrogate Carrie was uh, pregnant, then it was uh, stressful, just like any other um, time with a parent. And you know, I'm kind of a worrywart, and until I actually see some results, I don't want to, you know, count my eggs before they hatch, or count my Trumans before they hatch, or anything <laughs> like that. So um, it was, it was very, very stressful, and there were a lot of elements of it that were additionally stressful from a legal perspective, and so um, I think that was probably something maybe a little more unique to being a gay parent specifically is just the status of our relationship legally and, and how to make that work. Uh, so that added a lot of stress to it in addition to the normal kind of health for the baby kind of stress. How did you get that, get that to work? So we were working with our attorney here in um, Indianapolis um, that we had worked with in the past for some things. And um, he's a really good attorney, but doesn't have um, a license to practice specifically in Colorado. 
and so had recommended us to a family attorney there and um, we ultimately um, went with that individual initially who um, conducted an assessment and felt like she could take us on and got all our information and, and we were always operating under the assumption that um, until our surrogate was pregnant, it really didn't make a difference. Um, you can't just say like, I'm going to draft some documents so that the next time you get pregnant, it's ours, right? It's not like the Rumpelstiltskin uh, legal <laughs> framework. So um, that was absolutely the advice that we got. And then once our surrogate was pregnant, our attorney from Colorado came back and said, actually, I don't think I can do this anymore. And I don't think this is legal. And now that she's pregnant, I don't know what to do. And so oh, wow. I'll refund you your money, but here's all your stuff back. So that was kind of stressful. Serious. Absolutely. Oh, um, so yeah, I guess we weren't out any money, but that definitely was a stressful time. Ultimately, we were able to get um, an attorney at about five times the price of that um, in Colorado, but who made it simple and easy and, and ultimately, um, essentially, uh, I was able to be put on as the biological father in Colorado. Jacob was able to be um, added in Indiana as a step-parent. And um, then we were able to add his name to the birth certificate in Colorado once we had the step-parent recognition in Indiana. And um, so, it, you know, and it's, one, again, one of those things that's representative of time, too. So um, Jacob and I had had a whole union ceremony back in 2003 that wasn't legally recognized in any way. Um, we didn't want to be one of those people who just went around everywhere and got married in every state as they became available or country, as some of our friends had done. And so, um, you know, we were going to just wait until it was legal everywhere before we formally got married. We felt like we already had our ceremony in 2003 with our family and friends. And um, again, as we led up to, though, wanting to have a child, we had gotten some advice from our attorney that, you know, it couldn't hurt and it might help at some point if you were legally married somewhere, even if it wasn't recognized in Indiana. So on our 10th anniversary, we got married um, at City Hall in New York City the year that New York um, legalized gay marriage which is kind of cool because we're huge um, law and order nerds. And so kind of going up the steps there, you know, Jacob was kind of making the sound of the theme song for law and order. Um, but it, it was really good. So we, we were legally married and recognized in at least one state um, at the time then as well. And, and you would have thought we were trying to negotiate a peace treaty between countries because um, one of the things about Colorado is that Colorado – strongly believes there should be two parents in a household, um, even if they're not, um, uh, even if they are same gender. However, they don't recognize at the time same gender parents households. Interesting. So um, they kind of looked at our surrogate giving up her rights as something that they didn't want to let her do because there wasn't a quote unquote second parent in the situation. But, of course, there was. There was Jacob that they were unwilling to recognize legally. So it was kind of like you're establishing a standard that's impossible to meet for a, a gay couple. And so that was challenging as well. But um, we were able to use the Boulder um, kind of judicial district and went through uh, what we knew to be affirming judge and whatnot. Thankfully, our attorney knew the right way to go about that. So it was a, a complicated and stressful process, but we got through it. But and now everything is is all right. It is. It's absolutely all right. Uh, would you have with with the legalization of um, of marriage? Would you have to go through so much frustrating uh, BS uh, essentially uh, to get where you are now? With I, I think it would be a lot easier, and I would have had a lot less 
um, nervousness about it because I would have known at some point they would have to recognize our relationship. Mm -hmm. And right. it certainly would have been an easier conversation to say, you're right, the mother is giving up her rights and now a second father is, is adding rights. And so, yes, we still have two parents like you want. So I think that would have definitely made it easier. There would have absolutely been less documents. I think we, we had a total of 32 different affidavits and legal documents and things. And that's just with our attorney. That's not even filing things with the state and, and, and whatnot. So um, I definitely think there would have been less of that. Um, ultimately, in, in our situation, um, Jacob would still have had to go through the second parent adoption here in, in Indiana um, to recognize it, um, to my knowledge at the moment. I, I can't help but think of the the guilt trip that kids get laid on them by their parents, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. and, and all I can think of is, you know, you hear this, oh, I was in labor with you for so long. <laughs> right. Do you have any idea what <laughs> what Truman is going to exactly right <laughs> to have with this one? Absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, and 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 actually, I, I want to build off of JP's question. Uh, I I know Truman's three and a half years old, mm -hmm. but has he started recognizing the differences between families at all? At all? Um, I think from the very beginning, we um, certainly exposed him to a lot of different types of families. So we we know other. Um, same-sex couples, whether they're gay men or lesbians. Um, we certainly know single-parent households. We know step-parent households. I mean, so there's so many different combinations in the world, and that happens to represent our base of friends and, and people that sure. we know. And so Truman has gotten exposed to a lot of different things, um, certainly not what maybe you would expect um, a three-and-a-half-year-old living in Spencer, Indiana, to be exposed to. And um, he does a lot of... Um, volunteering with us at Spencer Pride as well. Yeah. So mm -hmm. we go all over the state for Spencer Pride. He comes along with us. He does absolutely everything with Jacob on a day-to-day -day basis. Everybody knows Truman. Mm -hmm. um, it's funny because um, what we consider one of his grandmothers, who is uh, Secretary of Spencer Pride, Judy Epp, um, she will literally take Truman out, you know, in Bloomington. Actually, this happened once up in Indy, and someone said, is that Truman? Um, <laughs> they recognize Truman and have no idea who Truman's with, but they definitely recognize Truman. Truman's so. a lot like me when I was a young child. <laughs> That's what, my grandpa took me out uh, all the time and uh -huh. said, and said, and he, he would always tell me, oh, uh, somebody, so-and-so would come up and go, oh, there's, there's uh, Ryan's grandpa. <laughs> so. uh, yep, exactly, exactly, yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, it, it's definitely something that um, it's the whole experience has been fantastic, really. Uh, how are you planning on handling the situation when Truman does get into, let's say he he winds up in Spencer Owen Community Schools, mm -hmm. um, and then he re recognizes that oh wow I'm I'm abnormal in in all of this, which you know he's not abnormal, but so we I mean we talk about. Um, we, we have active conversations. You know, we certainly have books that represent different um, family situations as well, including same-sex families. Um, so it's natural. I think that he um, – it's, it's a matter of having – you know, I think for a child it's a matter of having two of something that's the same and not necessarily that it's a different than a societal norm, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, quick – Quick side story, our, our surrogate has uh, two boys on her own, and um, when they play the game of life where you have to go around and you get married at what point, you got to pick a pink or a blue, um, she asked her son, um, Caden, 
um, each time they do that, she asks what whether they want pink or blue, you know, boy or girl. And so each time it's a it's a unique decision. And so it's, there's not an assumption there, which I think is really cool on her part. And um, and typically Caden will select the blue one because he said that um, he, he doesn't want to have to mow the grass. So he thinks <laughs> if, if he married a man, then the man would mow the grass. Um, and then he could avoid doing that, which I think is just kind of funny, right? And, and, and I think Truman, in a similar way for him, what's confusing is not that there's not a mom, but that um, that it's it's just, okay, he's got two dads. And, and, and he's, he, um, he associates, uh, for a long time, he associated all women as, as moms. Mm-hmm. Um, because Jacob would hang out with a lot of moms groups, so typically the mm-hmm. women he were around, he was around, were all mothers, and so mm-hmm. um, you know we kind of had to s- separate out the concept of a mother from just being a woman and and, and things like that. But um, you know I don't know what certainly we're first time parents, and um, this will you know, obviously everything for him will be a first time, and so I I know that there'll be confusing things that will come up. And we'll deal with them as 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 we will. Um, it's just the the nature of of life, and um, so you know we're prepared to. We think we're prepared to encounter them, but you never know. Sure. Well, so Spencer has uh, no, Truman. <laughs> Spencer can be a first name too. <laughs> uh, Truman has gone around with you all mm-hmm. uh, throughout the state, mm-hmm. um, and he is growing up in this great environment with two great parents. Uh, how do you feel uh, on a parenting scale, on an index, on, on <laughs> you and Jacob's uh, parenting? Um, I think parenting takes a village. Um, I would absolutely, first of all, credit 99.9% of, of everything about Truman that's good to Jacob's excellent um, parenting skills as a father. I mean, uh, Jacob is a stay-at-home dad. And he instills a lot of um, important values into Truman. And we have a lot of conversations about what that style and approach is going to be. But certainly you, you cannot ever anticipate every situation. And every day there are new things that have not been encountered before that Jacob has to deal with on the fly. And so um, I, I think that um, Jacob is the vast majority of that. And I think we've got good family and friends as well, um, that are also fantastic. So I think it takes a village and you want that socialization with the child and exposure to a lot of different things for us. Um, you know, we tried to base a lot of our parenting, um, under some basic concepts that we had actually gotten from the parents of, um, the foreign exchange student, um, who's now a good friend of ours, Lars. And um, Lars came to us and spent a year, uh, his senior year of high school with us. Uh, He is from Germany and absolutely fantastic person. And if Truman could grow up to be half of what Lars is, we'd we'd be super proud. We we, we loved Lars and we still um, speak with Lars uh, every couple of weeks and we see each other once a year. And and so um, we've gotten to know Lars's family and, and when and he was around when we were talking about and trying to have Truman. And so um, his parents instilled in us some some basic concepts about just kind of treat them as, as a, almost like adults um, from the very beginning. You know, if they ask a question, they're prepared for some degree of an answer. So um, they're never too little to hear an answer if they're smart enough to ask the question. You just have to tailor the answer that's appropriate to their age level. 
Um, and, and again, part of that philosophy as well is, is include them with everything that you do in life because they're going to have to get exposure to these things. And so that's, that's what we do. We live Truman as though he's just one of the guys. And, um, sometimes we just have to stop for extra pee breaks or whatever. (laughs) Um, and, and that's just how it is. Now, what about grandparents? How much are uh, grandparents in Truman's life? So um, my parents live next door and have a really active um, role in Truman's life. Um, I think when my parents retired, which is just a few years ago, um, Truman was the reason. So he was not here yet, but was um, known to be on the way. Uh, He's the reason that they ultimately moved down to Spencer as well. They were still up in Hobart. And um, so Truman sees um, his his grandma and grandpa on that side of the family almost every single day, if, if we're unless we're on vacation. And um, on Jacob's side of the family, his parents and family are not affirming, and it's just a very difficult situation. So um, Truman essentially has no relationship there with the biological grandparents on that side. Um, but like I said, Judy Epp, our secretary of Spencer Pride, she's fantastic. And, and her and her wife, Bev, are, are kind of surrogate grandparents. And so they spend a fair amount of time, you know, weekly they see Truman. Um, so He's well taken care of. Absolutely. Sure. Yes, absolutely. We, we, we know Judy because yeah. we, we, we speak with her often on oh, the yes, show yes, as well. Definitely. So. Also, um, what's going to happen in the future with Truman? What, how do you, you spend a lot of time speaking on Lars. Um, and how you want want him to grow up to be a lot like Lars. Uh, what do you foresee Truman's future being? How what would be perfect to you as a father? Because we all have that in mind yeah. for, for our potential children. So I mean, um, you know, we joke about we'd love him to go into the Senate. Um, the House is a little too lowbrow. Um, <laughs> but uh, you know, I, I think ultimately, yes. You know, we want him to be doctors and, and lawyer and, and all those things. Um, but Truman's going to be Truman. And the hardest thing is going to be letting Truman be Truman. <laughs> so what what we hope to do is instill in him um, the right set of um, views about the world and understanding that we want to leave it better than we found it. Um, so it's, it's amazing every day, you know, Truman will tell me about his day. And so yesterday, for example, they were picking up trash underneath the bridge. So, um, they were at the park and he saw trash and he wanted to pick it up. And that's, it's in those type of values and things about the world and trying to leave it a better place. Um, we, we spend countless hours every week volunteering with Spencer Pride, um, and Truman sees that and he knows why we do that, or at least he hears why we do that and he'll eventually understand that. And so we try to lead by example and if, he grows up to be an intelligent, thinking, um, compassionate uh, individual who cares about the world, which to be honest with you, he's already those things as a toddler, um, then then we've been successful. These things are all really important and what all parents should really strive to have their children be like. And, and it's so weird that people think that, oh, gay parents can't be parents because they like the same sex. It's, mm-hmm. No, there isn't a difference. Everybody should have in mind of these ideals uh, that they want their children to become. And you did after name him. You probably didn't name him, but uh, he is named or has the <laughs> name of a pretty good president. So mm-hmm. yep. if he grows up like that, that's that's a pretty good deal, all in all. Yeah, absolutely. He uh, he is um, absolutely you know the joy of our lives for sure. Final question. Mm-hmm. All right. Is there going to be more than one? There is not, no. Uh, so we had decided again ahead of time that we wanted 
we wanted a spoiled child. We didn't want a brat, but we wanted a spoiled child. And we felt like um, to be able to live the life that we want to live, um, that that maxing out at one was sufficient for us. Um, so he's got a lot of friends and, and family and whatnot, and he gets a lot of socialization. He has a busier schedule than I do. Um, it's, oh, it's Tuesday. He's at the Y or he's at Jumping Joey's. Or I'm like, what are you guys doing today? Like, Because it's actually a thing. They've got a whole schedule throughout the day, every day. And so... Um, he definitely gets a lot of socialization, and um, so he's very active, and I can't even imagine having another one. He wears us out. Um, <laughs> the energy, the personality, um, it's, it's an amazing experience. It makes you evaluate yourself in different ways and think about the world in different ways, and um, it's a joy, and I think one is the perfect number for us. I want three, but you just wore me out by telling me Truman's schedule, so right. <laughs> I'm already right. worn out. And then just it. wait until he's in sports and extracurricular activities. <laughs> exactly. So. Sure. Well, such, such a great, great story, and sharing that with us tonight, Jonathan, has been just a pleasure. Thank you for, Thank you for having me. For coming on and, and talking about your family, who we just think are awesome. Thank you. Obviously. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you. So um, for our music break this evening, um, Sharon Needles is going to be our next artist. Um, and Sharon can hold tight to her crown as reigning drag queen of darkness. The RuPaul's Drag Race alum is back with the music video for her new single, Holly Wouldn't. After I went on Drag Race, I was allowed to do so many things, Needles said in a behind-the-scenes video of the inspiration behind the song. I was allowed to do theater, commercial work, television work, modeling, fashion design, and it was great. But the thing with reality television fame is that it's got a pretty quick expiration date. I had one year of sitting on my dark, macabre, gothic throne and quickly realized that this soothing Xanax band-aid-like feeling fame is fleeting. Here is Sharon Needles with Holly Wooden. There's a reason why so many dreams have died. On one steep hill for a lit up sign, you could sell your soul for a two bit run. Like Jane Mansfield, you can lose control. It's not. Down. It goes round and round 
Support for WFHB and Blooming Out comes from the back door of downtown Bloomington's queerest bar, dance club, and venue. From live bands and DJs to drag shows and karaoke, there's something for everyone every day of the week. The back door is located at 207 South College in the alley behind Atlas Bar. More information can be found on Facebook or online at bckdoor.com. And you've been listening to, you just listened to Hollywoodn't by Sharon Needles here on Blooming Out. And now it's time for your weekly LGBTQ news headlines from the Indianapolis Star, an Indianapolis woman who beat her seven-year-old son with a coat hanger is citing Indiana's religious freedom law as a defense against felony child abuse charges, saying her choice of discipline comes straight from her evangelical Christian beliefs. The woman quoted biblical scripture in court documents. She said that a parent who spares the rod spoils the child and do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with the rod, he will not die. If you strike him with the rod, you will save his soul. The Religious Freedom Restoration Act enacted in 2015 says the government cannot intrude on a person's religious liberty unless it can prove a compelling interest in imposing that burden and can do so in the religious restrictive way. Well, <laughs> that I mean, the, she used RIFRA as as her defense. That's the that's the bad thing in that article. Right. Jeff, we've got to move on here. <laughs> so Scott Hoyne from Pentatonix uh, posted this message on his Facebook page on July 28th. With tragedy after tragedy happening in this world, my friends and I wanted to sing one of our favorite songs, Blowing in the Wind by B- Bob Dylan, and dedicate it to love. Share with or tag somebody you truly love and are grateful for. Love you guys. Here's Scott Hoyne, Julia Harriman, and Mario Jose with Blowing in the Wind. How many roads must a man walk down Before you can call him a man How many seas must a white dove sail Before she sleeps in the sand How many times must the cannonballs fly Before they're forever banned The answer, my friend, is blowing
You just listened to Blowing in the Wind by Pentatonix, Scott Hoying, Julia Harriman, and Mario Jose. Now it's time for our week, our weekly LGBTQ plus area event calendar. Sigma Phi Beta, I use only gay and allied fraternity, will begin their rush process in September. But start learning about the group now. You can contact the group at iu at sigmaphibeta.org to find out what being a brother is like and to find out more about their rush events. Coryland Men's Course will be performing on Saturday at the annual 4th Street Festival of the Arts. The annual, fourth, uh, annual Street Festival showcases Bloomington's best artists featuring works in a variety of mediums. Enjoy great art and sunshine plus music, all free of charge. The launch party for this year's Indie Ladies Bus Tour is Saturday, September 24th. Enjoy brunch and performances and learn the theme for this year's tour. More information can be found on the Indie Pride Facebook page. Sigma Pi Beta will participate in Bloomington's Out of the Darkness Walk to raise awareness and funds for the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention on Sunday, October 2nd. If you'd like to join the team in walking and or fundraising, contact Chapter President Bryant Hayes at brhayes1994 at gmail.com. The Spencer Pride Community Center opens on Saturday, September 17th with an official ribbon-cutting ceremony at 9 a.m. If you would like to meet Truman, Jacob, and Jonathan, who uh, we just had the pleasure of speaking with here just a little bit ago, uh, check them out and visit spencerpride.org. And that is a look at your LGBTQ calendar. We'd like to thank you for tuning in tonight. If you're interested in volunteering at WFHB or for our show, please contact our volunteer, and that is wfhb.org, and it is volunteer at wfhb.org. If you'd like to add your event to our event calendar, please email us at bloomingout at wfhb.org. You can also call us at 812-323-1200, tweet us at BloomingOutWFHB, visit our Blooming Out Facebook page, or find us on Instagram. The executive producer of Blooming Out is Joe Crawford. The producer is Ryan Chatty. Board engineer is Sarah Hetrick. Don't forget that this weekend we will be at the 4th Street uh, Arts Festival and Fair and the Garlic Fest and 4th Street uh, in downtown Bloomington. So uh, WFHB will be there. Come and join us there. For Blooming Out and Jeff Pooling, I'm Ryan Shaddy. Tune in again next week at 6 p.m. or listen to us online at bloomingout.com. Thank you for joining us on Blooming Out. Be sure to find us online for past episodes, behind-the-scenes exclusives, and more at bloomingout.com. And don't forget to tune in every Thursday at 6 p.m. for Blooming Out on WFHB.